So today we are um, we have finished up the, the our study on the Beatitudes, and uh, that was, I believe, a good study. I hope you received something out of it. Uh, if not, you can go back and re-listen to it if you want to. It's all online. Um, but I just felt the Lord was leading us to continue reading Matthew. So I went ahead read in Matthew, I read Matthew chapter or, uh, five, verse thirteen, and Jesus is again amazingly talking to us in a vernacular that both of those people could understand clearly and we can as well because Jesus' teachings are timeless. And I believe this fits in exactly what we need to hear today as the same way they needed to hear that in their day. Right before this verse, Jesus concluded the Beatitudes by proclaiming the blessings over those that were persecuted for righteousness' sake. Jesus understood that his followers were going to go through hard times. And he also understood that his followers were different than the world. And that's what he talks about today. The Moody commentary about this says that Jesus describes his followers and his believers today, that's you and I, as salt and light in the world. And clearly, we're called to influence, improve, and make the world a better place. And that's what we're going to be talking about today as we uh, begin our study on uh, Matthew chapter 5, verse 13. The text for the day is this. Would you read it with me? You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. Let's pray. Father, help us to understand what you mean here. I pray that you just give us clarity for the next few minutes of our mind and that we would just have the ability to understand and hear what your word is speaking to our hearts today. In Jesus' name, amen. So once again, Jesus is speaking in terms that the people of the day can clearly understand. And salt is a very interesting mineral. It's a very interesting Um, commodity that was very important in the day that Jesus is talking about. And uh, because it seems such a a common thing, um, I was really surprised when I looked up the Greek words for salt, what I found out. I didn't think it would be necessary. I don't always look up Greek words, but sometimes I do. And as I did, I found some very interesting things about salt that I think is going to just open up our eyes a little bit as to how important this, what we consider a very common product and really what it means. So the Greek word for salt here that Jesus used is halas, H-A-L-A-S, and it means salt. But the the important thing is it means the impure salt of the ancient times and it could become tasteless in adverse situations and its residue made useless. All right, so that I just want to make that comment. Now, put this aside for a few minutes because we'll come back to this in a minute. But I want to talk now about really more about salt. Where did they get their salt from? Well, this is important because it lends to our conversation later about the instability of this particular kind of salt. The source for their salt in that time was not that they boiled down salt water and got pure salt, nor was it mined 
from the ground in its pure form. No, what they did is that they obtained from marshes along the salt water oceans they had there and from the interior lakes that would dry up in the summertime. And they would collect the salt from there. And it was in a raw form with mixed out, mixed in with other minerals. And as a result, if the salt isn't properly taken care of, it can become useless and it becomes no value. So we'll come back again. We'll come back to that. Remember that point. But now let's talk about the value of salt. Why is salt so important? And salt was so valuable in that time that it wasn't uncommon for the Roman soldiers to be paid in salt. And thus we get the terminology that you're either worth your salt or not worth your salt. Right? Because it's so valuable that they needed to have salt in their life that it was more important than money because of its values. So I want to talk about four things that salt does. Salt seasons and flavors food. That's obvious. We know that. Salt is also a preservative. Salt has healing properties. And salt creates thirst. So I want to talk about each one of these characteristics and how they apply to the life of the follower of Christ. So first of all, salt seasons and flavors food. Now, I know that no one here, I'm assuming, likes bland food. I mean, it's like eating cardboard. And so, in fact, I think cardboard will even taste good if you sprinkle a little salt on it. (laughs) Salt seasons the food that we eat. Now, we all know, however, that salt also, too much salt, can be bad. Right? I mean, we are probably, when we think of salt today, we probably think of it in a negative sense because salt will, short term, will um, raise your blood pressure, possibly. It can cause some bloating and retaining water uh, in our bodies. Um, it does create intense thirsts for us. Long term, it has even more serious uh, side effects that it may increase our risk of heart disease or stomach cancer or high blood pressure. So for these reasons, many people strive to reduce their salt intake and probably rightly so because we use salt a lot in our our food preservation and in our processing. You go to McDonald's, you go any place and, you know, you read the the sodium content and um, it's dangerous if we take too much of it. So I want to talk about the positive aspects of it. So what, in a spiritual context, what, how is salt used in the, follower, in the true follower of Christ? Well, the follower of Christ, as a follower of Christ, we should, like salt flavors food, we should season the life of people around us. That as we're sprinkled on life, our salt should help the relationship of others in their relationship with people and their relationship with Christ. Paul used the illustration of salt in a passage when he was speaking to the church in in Coloss, in Colossians chapter 4, and how they were to interact with unbelievers in in their area. So turn in uh, Colossians chapter 4, verses 2 through 6. In the Amplified Version, it says this. It says, Be persistent and devoted to prayer, 
being alert and focused in your prayer life with an attitude of thanksgiving. At the same time, pray for us too that God will open a door of opportunity to us for the word to proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I have been imprisoned that I may make it clear and speak boldly and unfold the mystery in the way I should. Verse 5, conduct yourself with wisdom in your interactions with outsiders or non-believers. Make the most of each opportunity, treating it as something precious. Verse 6, let your speech at all times be gracious and pleasant. Here it is, seasoned with salt, so that you will know how to answer each one who questions you. So Paul looks at that and he says, yeah, I see the value of salt in the way that we season people. And the way that we act and the way that we talk and our daily interactions with people is vitally important to our influence in their lives. I'm not sure that we really appreciate how important that is. That we're being watched all the time. Parents, obviously from your children, grandparents from your grandchildren. But, you know, even in the workforce, even when I'm having coffee with my buddies or playing golf or somebody or wherever I'm at, people are watching my life all the time. And if I'm being a true follower of Christ, then my life will season theirs. It will make their life to be a little bit better if I'm a true follower of Christ. But if I see any, if there's any inconsistencies, which there is, I'm not perfect, but we have to strive though to make sure that recognize that our lives, our actions, our words are really important. Yes. Yes, it applies to Facebook. (laughs) It applies very much to Facebook and other social media things, tweets and everything else. Thank you. Yes. Well, the old saying is true. Respect is earned, but never demanded. You earn the respect of the people that you interact with in person and or on Facebook. And it just takes a second. It takes a slip to lose it, doesn't it? And then it takes an awful lot of work and time and patience to rebuild that level of broken trust. So, Our actions and our conversations are to be wholesome and healthy and helpful. Just like salt adds flavor to bland food, we're to add flavor to the lives of people around us. That's what spiritual salt is in our lives. So this takes me to the next point. Salt is a preservative. When salt is used properly, it can preserve the food that it's applied to and keep it edible for a lot longer than it is if you don't salt it. Especially in the days of Jesus' time, this was a very important property because salt draws out the water and the moisture and it dehydrates the food. And that's in the moisture is where the bacteria grows. And the bacteria then grows and it, it provides, I mean, it, it causes food poisoning. And so when food is treated with salt, the the drying properties of salt bring out all the impurities and it brings out all the moisture and it preserves the food so that it can be eaten later without having to be refrigerated. Salt fish, you know, I mean, smoked fish, we even eat that today. Smoked fish and, and ham and a lot of cured things of that nature are cured with salt. 
And so spiritually, the role of a Christian person and the role of the church is to be a preservative as well, that we're to preserve the lives of those around us. It's that saving nature of the good news of Jesus Christ that can be that preserving agent. So the salt of God's word draws out the impurities and and the, and this uh, of sinful lives and and it gives their lo- the result is a long lasting eternal life that is preserved over the years. Now make no mistake about it, judgment day is coming. Yet God's patience and his mercy is being extended to the lost through us, through the preserving nature of Jesus Christ. And it has to be manifested through our lives. I hope that makes sense. I hope this is ringing true. I hope you're being able to grasp the concepts here. That Christians, that we help preserve the world and and the culture without ourselves becoming tainted or stained by the sin, that it's it's in our display of integrity and goodness and honesty that we can hold up a society that is in a downward trajectory. Our saving grace through the power of the Holy Spirit is the great restrainer in the world today. And when the rapture happens and the church is taken out of the world, the Bible says the restrainer is taken out of the world and then the Antichrist is revealed and then literally all hell breaks out on earth because there is no restraining force. The preservative nature of the Holy Spirit is taken out of the world then. But right now, it's still there and he's living in us. And that's the role that we have is to be a preserving agent. So that takes me to the next point. Salt has healing properties. I know that we don't recognize salt this way, I mean, necessarily, because we have medicines. But for the days then, that uh, the, as they properly applied salt, salt is a great way to bring various um, healing properties to a, to a broken or to, or to a sick person. Salt regulates the acid level in our bodies that we need for proper digestion. We need to have salt at certain levels. Salt is a cleanser and has been used in colon treatments to remove unwanted toxins in our bodies. Salt can also relieve various skin conditions such as eczema and psoriasis and acne and other infections in this list. Salt can be used to reduce canker sores. Did anybody ever, do you guys get canker sores? You know, I used to get canker sores a lot when I was a kid, but I don't get them anymore. Thank the Lord. But they were extremely painful. And you know what? I would take that salt yeah, baking soda or alm or something like that. That would pucker you right up. But that salt, I would put it right on that canker sore, and man, would it sting. But you know what? The, it seemed like the more it stung, the more I liked it. It's kind of weird, I know. But I could just feel it drying it out. And it wasn't long, and when you put the salt there and you a couple different times, it would just kind of dry up that canker sore, and it would just heal in your mouth. So salt can be used that way. Salt, you can also gargle with salt. You can brush your teeth with salt. I mean, there's a lot of things you can do with salt, and it doesn't really taste good. And, but there was more and more of those healing properties, and we probably could talk to Dr. Nort. He probably could give us a, a bunch more, but we'll just move on here. But here's the point. We are a broken people. Our lives are broken, and our hearts are sick. And just like the salt heals a physical body, spiritual salt can 
heal the spiritual soul. And we know that the curse of sin has destroyed the heart of mankind. It was perfect. God had created our heart perfectly and then sin comes in and breaks it. And now we need to have a healing agent of salt. Psalms chapter 53, the first three verses says, the fool says in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt and their ways are vile. There is no one who does good. God looks down from heaven on all mankind to see if there really are anyone who understand, anyone who see God. Everyone has turned away. All have been become corrupt. There is no one, not one, that does good. And this passage is referring to the fools that deny Christ. And there are those today that are still doing that, maybe not outrightly, but by their actions. They are denying that Christ exists. And God created, here's the deal, God created every man to have an innate nature of worship. Every person has a desire to worship something. The problem is the world doesn't know what they're to worship. And they try to find out all kinds of other things to fill that, that hunger for worship. And God intends for that worship to be placed on him. And that's the healing power of spiritual salt, that it would, bring, it would come into a broken, sinful life. And that God would apply the spiritual salt and it would change, it would, it would, heal, of our, it would heal our life. And that's what we are to be to the others people in our, that we have an influence in. And then that brings me to the fourth thing that salt does that I'm going to talk about today. And that is salt creates thirst. Once again, I think we all know that. And in moderation, it's all good. After eating a salty ham meal or something of that nature, you're just thirsty. Do you know what I'm talking about? You just, boy, a, a cup of water really sounds good. And, and here's the amazing thing about water. How can something that has no taste taste so good? <laughs> think about it. I mean, water that tastes good doesn't taste like anything. If, if it's got an impurity in it, like a little, you know, um, Egg smell and stuff, what's that called? You know, that, uh, you know, if you get bad water, it doesn't taste so good. But pure water has no taste. But when you're thirsty, oh, man, does it taste good? It's just great. It's just crazy how that works. But it's the quenching of that thirst that our body's longing for. And it's not the flavor. It's the fact that the water does the quenching. And certainly the people listening to that Jesus that day understood that completely as well because they understood thirst. We all understand thirst. But the salt of God's word and his people create a different kind of thirst that only God can fill. And that's the thing I think that's so important is that we recognize that it's not just we have to worship something. We have to worship the right thing. And that right thing is God and godliness, and everything of that. And that then helps us to continue our spiritual growth process. See, everything that lives thirsts. Everything that lives needs water. So spiritually then, our, our soul is searching for something to drink. And if we don't know what the right thing is, we'll drink the wrong thing. We'll drink the wrong Kool-Aid, if you will, and we'll, we'll find ourselves going down a path of searching for anything to fill this hunger or this thirst in my soul. 
But spiritual salt says, I will create the thirst for the right reason and for the right thing. And that's what our job is in the world, is that we are to be that agent of thirst so that when we go to people, family, friends, or whatever, work acquaintances, whatever, that they see us being satisfied with something in our life. And they want to know, what are you drinking? (laughs) What are you consuming that makes you peaceful in the stressful times of life? Now, we all know there's stress today. I mean, there's a lot of anxieties today. And can I just say it's not going to get better? Can I just say that the closer we get to the return of Jesus, that life is going to get more intense? That's why it's so important that we have the right kind of spiritual thirst, that we're thirsting for the things of God. Now, the immediate example that I came to when I talked about this or or, or studied this is given in John chapter 4. Maybe you've already thought about this example. John chapter 4, verses 13 and 14. This is where Jesus is talking to the Samaritan woman at the well. Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Now, I'm not sure that this Samaritan woman understood what Jesus was talking about here. Because every day they had to come to the well and physically draw the water out of the well. They just couldn't go to the, fern, to the tap uh, and, and turn the, 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 the faucet on and water come flowing out. It just didn't work, didn't work for them that way like it does for us. So it was hard work getting water. So when Jesus says, I will give you water that will, that will quench your thirst and you'll never thirst again, I'm sure her physical mind went to, man, I don't have to come to this well anymore. But that's not what Jesus was talking about. The spiritual water that Jesus was talking about was going to be given to her inside her soul. And here's the thing. I don't, let's, let's read this, this, this correctly and understand what Jesus is really saying here. Because what he's saying is that it's not that you will never thirst again. What he's saying is that your thirst will always be quenched spiritually. I mean, we need to thirst. I mean, it's part of, it shows that we're alive. So it's not that this is a one-time fits all or a one-time, one big drink and you never thirst again. That's not what Jesus was saying. He's saying that this, that this water that, she, that he gives them will become a spring of water that will well up inside her soul that she will never go unquenched in her thirst. And that's so important for us today. That you and I know that we need to have a spiritual thirst, but recognize that our source of that thirst is Jesus. It's the Holy Spirit living in us that quenches that that thirst in us. And then we will be eternally satisfied. That we'll never thirst again and we'll never have that quench. We'll never have that longing of unfulfillment. It'll always be fulfilled and quenched and we'll have peace. Are you good with that? Is that what you want? Is that what you're seeking this morning? So now that we've gone through the four things that talked about salt, I want to now change veins a little bit. Now I want to go to what Jesus was saying. Because I want to know what it meant when Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth. What does that mean? 
We've just talked about the, the, the necessity and the qualities of salt and the value of salt. But now Jesus is saying, you are the salt of the earth. Matthew 5.13, that's what he says. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? What is Jesus saying? When he says you are the salt of the earth, being salt is not something that you put on and take off. When you become salt, Jesus is saying that as a true follower of him, that you become salt. It becomes your identity. It's not something, it's not a righteousness that you put on and put off. It's not like, you know, uh, about, you know, putting on the helmet of salvation or putting on the breastplate of righteousness or shouting your feet with the, with the truth of God's word. No, when you become salt, Jesus is saying you change, you become salt. And when I started thinking about this, I got very interesting. And this is when I really missed Mr. Jensen. Jim Jensen was my chemistry teacher in high school. And uh, he taught us about chemical equations. So, so here's the thing. Our bodies are amazing. We are amazing chemical factories, in case you didn't know that. It's just, we are just made up of water and all kinds of minerals. And how that all comes together is really cool. But salt is an, is an ionic bond of sodium and chloride. So watch, follow with me a little bit here. The equation is, Na sodium Cl is chloride. NaCl equals Na plus Cl. Na sodium is a positively charged ion, and chloride is a negatively charged ion. And when they combine, they become sodium chloride. Opposites attract. Positive attracts the negative, and they they bind together ionically, and they become sodium chloride. But here's the, the key thing: sodium. Whoa, sodium by itself is toxic and poisonous. You cannot ingest sodium. If you did, if, if you ate pure sodium, it would burn through your stomach linings or it would burn through your skin. Sodium by itself is toxic. But when you combine sodium with chloride, it becomes table salt. It becomes, it becomes something that you can ingest and it is safe to eat. And I looked at that and I'm thinking, wow, that is really cool. That, what a great example of that to how Jesus changes us from our toxicity of ourself into something that is digestible to people. Not only digestible, but useful to people. See, because on our own, our flesh man, we're toxic. The flesh man is dangerous. The flesh man has no hope to themselves and to the world. We all know the messes we create on our own, don't we? How many times have we messed up on our own because we're just toxic? But as soon as we accept Jesus into our lives and we're chemically bound together with Jesus through the blood of his sacrifice, through the blood of Jesus, he changes us from being toxic to being table salt. Amazing transformation of something that was once poisonous and non-beneficial into something that is extremely valuable in the kingdom. You know, I, I love to hear people give their testimonies. But yet, sometimes when I hear that, and I hear the lives that they were once were, 
I'm kind of glad I didn't know them before they knew Christ. (laughs) I'm not sure I would want to meet that guy in a dark alley before he knew Christ. It's an amazing transformation when Na plus combines with Cl negative and all of a sudden we have table salt. It's amazing when you have a broken, sinful man combined with the blood of Jesus Christ and he becomes an evangelist. And he becomes good news to the people that hear his testimony. But even after the amazing promises of God's eternal life and all the benefits that he gives, the enemy still is successful in deceiving men and women that they would lose their spiritual saltiness. Because Jesus says, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. So what does he mean by this? What is Jesus saying here? How does salt lose its saltiness? And how does that relate to the spiritual life of a believer? Well, now we have to go back to what we said at the beginning. The Greek word that we used at the beginning to describe salt was halus, and it means salt, the impure salt of the ancient times that could become tasteless and useless in adverse situations. Remember that? It still might look like salt. It might sparkle like salt. It may feel like salt, but its value is gone when it loses its saltiness And when it loses its positive effects of saltiness, then it is worse than the dirt in the ground because once you lose it, it actually actually becomes um, toxic to the good soil that it might fall on. Therefore, he says that if it loses its saltiness, it's good for nothing other than to be thrown on the roadway to walk on. That's how serious it is when salt loses its saltiness. And it's so interesting here now. I continued on with some Greek word searches. And the Greek word here that used that was used in the phrase, salt loses its saltiness, is really interesting. The Greek word for this phrase, salt losing its saltiness, is marano. Marano. And it means to make foolish, to become a fool, to become saltless, tasteless, to lose its saltiness. Now, what does the word Murano sound like? How about moron? <laughs> Murano is actually the Greek word or the, the root word for moron. <laughs> so here, we, here it is. When you lose your saltiness, you become a moron. Isn't that interesting? So basically what Jesus is saying, if the salt becomes moron salt... It's only worth being thrown out. You see, the reason this Greek word marano, meaning both to be a fool and to lose its flavor, is very important because by both definitions, the underlying meaning is to become defective from its original purpose. It means something has lost its way. It has lost a quality that makes it what it was supposed to be. See, God has made something 
to be for a very specific purpose, but for foolish reasons, it can be made useless to God. So what's the spiritual context here? You see, if if we're going to be a true follower of Christ, we all have a ministry of being salt in the world, but there's something we need to do. We need action applied so that we don't become foolish and don't become a moron and lose the saltiness of our life. So what do we do? Actions required. See, if I have salt and a salt shaker, I should have brought one with me, but if we have salt and a salt shaker, the salt does no value unless it's shaken out on the food. It can sit there and it can look really nice on my table. I can have a really nice decanter of salt and we can all admire it and say, oh, that's really good. That's really pretty. It's really nice. But boy, the food sure is bland. Well, it's bland because I haven't sprinkled any salt on it yet. So I got to get the salt out of the shaker. It can look great, but there's no value until it's sprinkled on the food. It has no value. It isn't being used for its purpose. Therefore, it is moron salt. Not Morton salt. (laughs) Moron salt. Because it's not being used for its purpose. And so we are like the salt in the shaker. We offer no value to the world until we're shaken out on it. We can be great looking, we can sit and look great in church. We can look great in our home, in our prayer time, in our Bible time, whatever. But until we allow ourselves to be shaken out onto the world around us, we are moron salt. We're of no value because we're not allowing our lives to be poured out in the lives of those around us that need value added to them. Make sense? Another thing we need to do is protect our saltiness from being diluted. This is a big concern because if we don't protect ourselves from the diluting power of worldly compromise, we will soon be saltless and tasteless. You see, the salt in Jesus' day was very susceptible to dilution and being contaminated with other minerals because it wasn't in its purest form to begin with. Think about that for a minute. It wasn't pure to begin with, therefore it was very susceptible to lose its saltiness. And here's the reality. Neither are we in our purest form. We all come to Jesus with a lot of baggage, some more than others, but we're not pure in ourselves. We need to protect the salt and the saltiness of our Christian life and guard it against the possibility of being watered down with worldly compromise. How does this happen? Well, it happens gradually most times. Most times we just don't jump off the cliff. Most times we have a few stumbles along the way before we get to the cliff. It's a little slip here, a little slip there. It's maybe giving up a little bit of my Bible study time, my bit of, a little bit of my prayer time because I, I'm getting too busy with other things. Other priorities are slipping in. It's allowing oneself to slip back into old worldly habits. Maybe you've been delivered from some, but yet you slip back into those old worldly habits. That's easy to do. 
or those thoughts. Maybe it's letting our anger fester a little bit too long. Maybe our gaze a little bit too long on something we shouldn't be looking at. You know, whatever it is, I can't tell you what your issues are. I can only tell you what mine, mine are. But the enemy will do whatever he can to weaken our resolve to be pure salt. And what happens then after you lose your spiritual life? A person becomes lukewarm. You ever heard of lukewarm? Revelations chapter 3, verses 15 through 16. I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or either one or, or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. See, this is the same analogy here as salt losing its saltiness is useless. God is saying that he's going to spit out a lukewarm Christian and he's going to trample on those that are saltless. My Bible commentary says a lukewarm church or believer is one that is apathetic and negligent about personal devotion to Christ. They are half-hearted and lazy in their service to God. Such a church or person that compromises with worldly standards and behaviors soon resemble its surrounding society more than they do God's kingdom. That's the danger of losing your saltiness is when you become more like the world than staying more like Christ. Does that make sense? Are we tracking here? Jackie, would you come please? So what do we do with this teaching from Jesus? What do we do with this? Let me ask you a couple questions. Do you see yourself as salt in the world around you? Do you recognize the fact that how valuable that commodity of salt is in your life? Or do you see yourself as maybe earlier we were singing and we were talking about the smallness and maybe we're thinking, well, we're just of no value. I'm just telling you folks right now, you have great value. You have great value. If you are the salt of the earth, you have great value. You're the most valuable commodity in life so that you can flavor the blandness of life. That you are a preserving nature from that rotting side of what it means to spoil, degrade. That there's a preservative, there's a preservative in your life. That you are a, a, a healer in the time of sickness for yourself and for others. You see, the world that you're around depends on you to be salt. You may be the only salt in the world that people see. You, they're depending upon you to be who you are in Christ. They need you to be salty. There may come opposition, but don't give in because you need to realize how important you are to be the salt of the earth. That's why Jesus said that. Jesus is placing us in the world to be salt in order that we can influence and prove and make the world around us not just a better place, but a place that has a promise of eternal life. 
That's our role. God has designed each one of us to be that role, to be that that salt and that circle of influence around us. And it is a great, great privilege that God has chosen you to be a salt shaker, to shake your life out on people. So that's my prayer this morning is that we are actively engaged in being that salt of the earth. I want to read to you a promise that Jude, the half-brother of Jesus, gave to those to be faithful in this way. Jude chapter 1, it's only one chapter, verses 17 through 23. Jude says, But you, my dear friends, must remember that the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ predicted. They told you that in the last times, there would be scoffers whose purpose in life is to satisfy their ungodly desires. These people are the ones who are creating divisions among you. They follow their natural instincts because they do not have God's spirit in them. In other words, they're saltless. Verse 20, But you, dear friends, must build each other up in your most holy faith. Pray in the power of the Holy Spirit. And await the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ who will bring you eternal life. In this way, you will keep yourselves safe in God's love. And you must show mercy to those whose faith is wavering. Do you see all the benefits of salt here that he's calling out in your life? The preserving nature, the thirst-making nature, the healing nature. Verse 23, rescue others by snatching them from the flames of judgment. Show mercy to still others, but do so with great caution, hating the sins that contaminate their lives. In other words, don't lose your saltiness. And then he says, Now all glory to God, who was able to keep you from falling away, will bring you with great joy into his glorious presence without a single fault. That's pure salt. That's what happens when we combine our lives with the life of Jesus Christ. He makes us pure. He drives out our impurities and he makes us pure salt. And the promise is that you'll be that way forever and ever and ever and ever. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name. And Lord, we are just so enthralled with the depth of your word and how a simple thing can be so meaningful and so impactful. So Lord, I pray that this simple message today sinks deep into our soul, that It creates a thirst within us for more of you, more of your abiding presence, more of your healing virtues, more of the preservative nature of that relationship that we have with Jesus Christ. God, that it would flavor us and make us attractive, even though we may be opposed but we would be attractive to a world that is seeking something they don't know where to find. They don't know what to look for. Help us to lead them 
through our saltiness into the kingdom of God. And I pray, God, that you would just reveal that to us supernaturally, that each one of us would understand exactly what that means for us today. I pray for your church. I pray for your people. And I pray you bless them. And you let them know how important they are and how much you love them and how much you desire for them to be the salt of the earth to accomplish great things in the few days we have left that we would be about our Father's business as you were about your Father's business, accomplishing all things. We just thank you for your promise. We thank you for your help. We thank you for your assistance. And we ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.